Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Today's episode of Channel 33 is brought to you by SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor for my podcast, as well as the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. With just two taps on your phone, you can instantly buy SeatGeek tickets to an event, and you can enter that event just using your phone. No paper tickets. Drop your old ticket app. Use one that's built for 2016. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And don't forget to check out my fairly new website, TheRinger.com, for the very best in sports, tech, and pop culture coverage. And don't forget about The Ringer Podcast Network, which features Keeping in 1600, The Watch, Channel 33, Shack House, and our Ringer shows for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. And finally, don't forget about my new television show, Any Given Wednesday, which runs every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. on HBO and reruns on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand. And now, without further ado, here is the masked man, David Shoemaker. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm sitting here in a lovely cave with my dear friend, Dave Sh- Wait, should we, should we, I'm, I'm going to chant your name now. This is a big moment, so... Okay, that was good enough. I just want the sparklers and for smoke to come out of my mouth like a dragon. I just want someday in my life to walk by Big E and have him react to me in the way that he reacted to Bill Goldberg (laughs) on Monday. Um, This is... Uh, this is a, I'm going to say up front, this is an episode of reversals for me. I, I'm just going to spoil the whole show. I'm in on gold, back in on Goldberg. I'm out on the women, on, on the uh, Raw Women's Championship match, and I'm in on El- James Ellsworth, although I don't know that I was ever totally out on him. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about all of that stuff. Uh, Goldberg, uh, it was such a crazy, uh, such a, uh, it was more of a moment than I thought it was going to be. Well, part of that was just him. Like, yeah. He was really taken aback by the, the reaction. And I think it's partially because the last time he was in a WWE ring, Oof. they booed the hell out of him. Yeah. Well, let's get to that in a minute. Before we get into that, I want to touch on a couple of outside the ring things. Well, actually, this is, happened inside of a ring. But uh get to the, the news of wrestling. Number one is that Paige apparently... Uh, proposed to Alberto Del Rio, now named now Alberto El Presidente Rodriguez. Is that correct? That is correct. He, she proposed inside a wrestling ring. Yeah, uh, does a WWC event, and uh, you know he's still married. He's still married to he, his wife. Yeah, and she's and, and last I checked, she still promised herself to me. So I don't, uh, okay, no, that's I'm not true. Incredibly depressed by this story. This is just bumming me out. If, you know, I, I chat, uh, uh, you know, I, I DM a lot with uh, with Donsky, Sam Donsky, who's on the show a good bit, and our editor in chief, Sean Fennessy, and he's and and we were talking about this. Like, it is so harrowing this whole storyline from the moment that they were caught arguing outside the the WWE event. I mean, even before that, if this were a WWE scripted storyline. This would be one of the best of all time. Well, yeah, I mean, I was half expecting Roman Reigns to come out during the proposal and <laughs> spear everyone because he apparently hates when people get married. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's going to be your gimmick, you got to run with it. <laughs> I like. I mean, we've obviously. I don't. I don't want to. You know, last week was a, was a, you know we were reading that crazy 
a thinly sourced rumor about what might be going on behind behind uh, you know the backstory of their lives. So I don't want to make light, too much light of the situation, except this is a wrestling podcast, so who cares? But like we've seen WWE take real life and bring it back into the you know into the ring for for ratings, for you know for crowd reactions. Like this is really almost a moment where they should just just you know roll up the Brinks truck to these two and just say like we're gonna we're gonna keep doing what you're doing but we're gonna slow burn this for like the biggest Wrestlemania moment of all time I mean I can't help but think about Matt Hardy and Edge and Lita of course like that was the ultimate example of this real life relationship drama becoming a huge money angle I know I've written about that before in the uh, and and you know I honestly feel like there's a lot of little moments where the crowd the crowd interaction has always been an integral part of pro wrestling. Obviously, it's a scripted thing. The crowd has to react in the appropriate way or or the show adjusts. But that was like one of the most integral moments for the crowd realizing the power that they had. And that's why, I mean, I feel like there's a direct line from the crowd demanding Matt Hardy come back to now when they're just like real time, like, you know, cr- critics in the crowd of like, you know, this is boring or like this belt is ugly. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, I can't, I can't help but feel like they're 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 like a dog. Like you, you give a puppy dog, you know, a treat when it shits on the floor, and then it'll shit on the floor every day just to get a treat. <laughs> and now every time something dumb happens in a ring, the crowd has to say, "Don't do that," or "Please do this." I, and there's too much. They're drunk with power. It's true. Uh, I for a moment thought you were comparing Del Rio and Paige's relationship to no, a dog, no, 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 no. Uh, or El Perro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank the, you. No, but it's it's a. I mean, it's it's just a nutty. It's a nutty thing, and like. You know, I I honestly hope that they get if they're gonna get married that they get married and and live happily and and substance free and that's and, the only thing that matters here is like wrestling aside. I just hope they get their act together and there's not some sort of horrible tragedy that it comes from this. Well, okay, but that I mean I I agree. I but I but as a separate the reality from just the fun of being a wrestling fan even as it enters the real world I'm 100% along for this ride it would it would be awesome if he shows up at Wrestlemania with her and like a macho man Miss Elizabeth sort of thing yeah no I'm I, I, I hate to say it man I'd be all in uh, you were saying that the Undertaker's on crutches. Yeah, apparently he had some sort of hip surgery, and then there was a you know one of those stories that goes viral on Facebook where everybody thinks the Undertaker is is uh, you know infirmed or something. But you know this is pretty standard for an old man who does yeah, a lot let's of physical be clear. activity. I'm googling right now. The Undertaker is 83 years old, so <laughs> this is nothing to be surprised about. Who's older, the Undertaker or Thon Maker? The basketball uh, <laughs> player. <laughs> That's a really good question. He's starting for the Bucks right now. I believe he is. Oh, yeah. man. I cannot wait for the Thon era. Um, sorry, guys. This is going to be a mostly basketball podcast. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of my ringer contract now that the NBA season is starting. How do you feel about Michael Carter-Williams, guys? Um, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. I did have a long conversation about that the other day. Um, well, cool, man. I mean, is there? If, I don't think there's anything else that's crazy outside the ring. The, the, the Undertaker news is a particular interest to me because um, we got really excited on Monday night about Goldberg who is also an old man and I don't you know he looks to be an amazing physical condition um, it's been 12 years since he wrestled a match for WWE when he came out his kicks didn't really go up as high as they used to or those those uppercuts he did in his entrance that might have been because he was wearing very tight affliction jeans or something I was so in on Monday 
I was so in on that promo. I was so excited for the match beyond what I would have expected. Um, so I, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my 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 positive take and my negative take. I'll get the negative take out of the way because you brought up the red belt. I really think that there's a, we're in a, in an era where because of the crowd reactions and everything like that, I'm just gonna call it red belt heat. When WWE waits to unveil some, like to just unveil something that where it's not necessary to wait till that moment to unveil it to unnecessarily build up expectations for a small thing that doesn't matter. Right, like it wouldn't have mattered if they had just put that belt on TV the week before, and everybody would have had it out of their system. If it's not a real surprise, don't make it a surprise in the show. And this is a really piddly thing, but if Goldberg doesn't look exactly like Goldberg used to look in his ring gear, let's put him in the ring in his briefs before we get to the to, <laughs> to the pay per view. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like let's just get that let's just get that sigh that that audience wide sigh out of our system before we get there. That's my only critique of this because here's the thing. I've I've written before about how Paul Heyman is the mo- one of the most important pro wrestlers in the world, like pro wrestler full stop, right? Because if you can be just if you can be a you know Benoit style only like just ring general and that's that that's enough to be a transcendent star, then being a talker should be able to get you to that same place, right? What Goldberg has that I honestly like forgot that he had was a level of charisma and magnetism that makes everything else almost secondary. The guy's a star. I mean, no question about it. Even just the him walking through the the backstage area, in, in, as he typically did in his his uh, first run, I was like, yeah, that's the guy. I mean, he's probably not going to look as huge as he did in yeah. in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, but he still has it, and and that's why WWE loves to go back to the well with these dudes because when you have charisma, when you have uh, magnetism when you have the crowd in the palm of your hand just with a look or a gesture that's valuable that's it's it's so valuable and and I mean I guess as as unpredictable as Brock Lesnar matches have been in the pa- over the past year two I mean whatever since his return but um, I feel more secure about this Goldberg match because like Lesnar's not like Lesnar had to agree to this right it's not right. something like it this is a this is this is a Performance more than this will be a performance probably more than his other matches. Although, you know, uh, Goldberg does fancy himself quite the MMA aficionado, so who knows if they're gonna like go for some real looking stuff. I just think that this is gonna be a more scripted, more protected match than maybe some of the other ones that he's worked. Um, so I'm, I'm weirdly like, I'm not even thinking about potential doom for Bill Goldberg at this point. Um, but well, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I don't even care about the match. Yeah, I mean, that promo was so. Moving, it was one of the best. I mean, really, wrestling's not that hard, but it was one of the best, like ABC simple argument-based promos I've that they've done in forever. Yeah, and he sealed the deal with that. Your last thing, like this is his last match. Wow, what a big deal! I didn't care before, and they they sold me completely. And like him hugging kids at the end, I was like, oh there, man. There's nothing better than the moment. I that I thought it was so great when he picked up a random kid out of the crowd, <laughs> yep. and then remembered that his own kid was there and went back like, to get I him, which get was my so sweet. Son. Yeah. When we I interviewed Goldberg on this podcast uh, a couple months ago, and he's uh and he was talking about 
like his his motivation then if he was ever going to wrestle again would be for his kid like he wanted his kid like his his kid was not alive when he wrestled his last match his, he doesn't know gold like the legend of goldberg right his wife was crying i mean just the whole thing was perfect and if they can keep this up it's survivor series is going to be memorable even if the match is terrible yeah i mean i, I just think that i think that i think that the match will probably be terrible. And I don't mean terrible. I, I think the match could be very good in its own terms. I just don't, I don't think that, I think that as fans, we should temper our expectations and not let our excitement for this angle, this feud, like make us, delude us into thinking this is going to be a particularly good match. It's probably going to be a lot of MMA style, like holds on mat holds and stuff like that. And like attempts at arm bars and, uh, you know, and presumably Goldberg is spending has spent the past month and will spend from now until Survivor Series just making sure he can he can get uh, Lesnar up for the jackhammer. Yeah, sounds so weird to say to jackhammer Lesnar. Like it's just, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I was I went after Monday night. I just like stayed up watching old Goldberg clips, and it's oh man. It's it's exciting. It's I'm I'm a hundred percent back in on it now. The bigger conversation to have is I'm sure you saw that like the raw ratings were just through the roof for Bill Goldberg, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a surprise to me because there we've had other big names come back. You know, I mean, you one would think that even like Lesnar would have more of a crossover appeal than Goldberg, but uh, but Goldberg everybody tuned in. Um, twelve years. It's been twelve years since he was in a WWE ring. So that sort of layoff naturally creates the anticipation and the interest. Whereas, you know, Brock disappears for six months, comes back. You sort of know, oh, SummerSlam's coming around. Brock's coming back. It's it's not as special. Um, Yeah, I know. I I agree with that. Um, My question, though, is did... WWE may may or may not have predicted this sort of ratings boost bump, but you would have. But they should. They certainly must have planned for it, right? But did they do enough with the rest of the show? If you hadn't, if if you Dave Schilling had gotten too cool for wrestling ten years ago and hadn't been watching for a while, but you're like, you know what? I've heard been hearing some good things about Raw, some of these young guys, and now Goldberg's back. Tonight's the night I'm tuning in. I feel like they just they just totally dropped the ball on what the rest of that program could have been. Yeah, I, well, I mean, what do you you have to carry on as normal? That's the thing is, you you could create a, an outlier version of Monday Night Raw, but at the end of the day, you have to go back to well, this is just the product. This is the product. Yeah, but I mean, we've had we've had we had a women's championship match in the recent past on Raw. I mean, we've had ever like you know. The, I, I mean, I guess Rollins and Jericho on its own is not that big of a deal, although it felt a whole lot bigger last time than it obviously than it did opening the show this time. Um, I just feel like if they had just put in a couple of matches, it just felt like a, it felt like bigger deals, you know. And just well, you know what? Maybe the next week is the is the show because they're already promoting the triple threat for the for the title. Um, so maybe that's they're they're saying okay, this show. We build to the go home show, which is going to have a bunch of marquee matchups. Plus, Brock is back. Sure, people are invested now that Goldberg has cut the promo of his life, uh, and then maybe they get really excited, get the network for Hell in a Cell. So there's this sort of three week window of promotion that they're doing. Yeah, no, I think there's I think there's definitely something to that. I just think like you look at that rating that they got, and you're like. 
we did it. We spent a segment with Mark Henry and the Golden Truth <laughs> uh, versus Titus O'Neil and the Shining Stars. It's like, okay, you know, like we, like I, like there were actually some good throwaway segments. Yeah. Bo, the Bo Dallas segment, I thought was like, if that had been the weakest segment on, or the, sorry, the least like, you know, edge of your seat segment on the show, that would have been, a, that, that would have meant the show was a raving success. You know, I mean, that was, I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, never gonna get mad at Dana Brooke and Bailey. I I enjoyed that match. You enjoyed it even though the they botched the ending. But was yeah, all wrong. I got like so many text messages about that. I was like, I it was clear that Dana was supposed to get her foot on the rope and couldn't get her foot on the rope, which right. is you know, it's one of those things when like you just it's not bad to make a mistake, but when you make a mistake that reinforces like a neg- like a, a negative opinion of you, you know, it's just like that Dana Brooke's height is the only thing holding her back from being a megastar or whatever, and she her leg wasn't long enough to reach the rope. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I and also I, I'm like I'm enjoying the hell out of the Braun Strowman stuff. I yeah, almost wish too. they could just they would just drag it out for another two months and have him wrestle more and more people every week. <laughs> It's just him against 12 guys. Yeah, I mean, I like the Sami Zayn thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm speaking to my to my wonderful fans. Let's not get mad when he squashes Sami Zayn or when he beats Sami Zayn after a relatively hard-fought short match at the Survivor Series or wherever they're going to do it. Um, Sami Zayn will then inevitably get the win back during his championship push, and they're going to build it up to be a big match on Raw, and all of us are going to be like, oh, we knew that was happening, so it wasn't cool. But, like... Yeah, you like, have to know, like, that's his character. Yeah. He's he's in the Daniel Bryan mold, and that they're sure. trying to turn him into a guy that the fans root for despite the fact that he always loses. So sure. just let him lose to Braun Strowman. It's it's a good it, it's going to help Strowman and that's I mean the difficulty anytime with someone when you're when you're building a monster heel is that there's got to be like he's got to lose at some point and if and if the only thing he has going for him is his win streak. I mean Goldberg is actually an interesting par- parallel here. Then like Goldberg I mean, the win streak's a cool gimmick or whatever, but it's just like, at some point, it, you've got to let him lose in a way that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And Braun Strowman, we've seen this before, you know, closer parallels with people like Umaga or something, where it's just like, at some point, as soon as he looks weak, he's useless. Yeah. You know? Or he he's ha- a comedy character. You either have to put the belt on him and have him wrestle Seth Rollins in a meaningful match and then lose and then figure out what to do after that, or you just say, well, there's a ceiling on this guy, Artificially, we're going to have him just be a regular character now. Yeah. It's true. I mean, there there was some rumor that that they're that they're building him up for it to be Joe's first feud when he Samoa Joe when he gets called up. I have no idea if there's any validity to that. But like again, that would be really fun and cool as like a Samoa Joe fan. I don't know what that does for Braun Strowman on the other end or whatever. But maybe the move with Sami Zayn is just to have him beat the crap out of him and then spend literally ten or fifteen minutes of him just like. Po- like power slam and then Sami Zayn kicks out at two like over and over and over again and then just eventually the show goes off the air <laughs> they just keep wrestling <laughs> yeah. forever um, anyway but yeah I mean but my my overall critique of the show I guess is that like I don't know I mean maybe it's an overall critique of Raw they when they when they did the brand split they just they all of the all of the guys who all of the guys and gals who can cut a promo uh and like who can promo for a segment basically who like who can like hold down a whole segment by talking they're all on raw and it seems like they're all talking all the time i mean to the point where like i don't i'm not i'm not trying to hate on biggie versus sheamus i mean they kind of did a, a small but interesting thing in there i guess with that feud and i'm into the feud in general but i mean 
I don't know. It just there wasn't. It just doesn't seem like Raw is a well-rounded promotion in the way that maybe SmackDown is. Well, there's, there's a lack of narrative uh, momentum. Even though this train constantly, you know, keeps moving from station to station, pay-per-view to pay-per-view, there's nothing that makes me need to tune in yeah. on Monday. Except you know, for I'm, Goldberg. Except for Goldberg. Yeah, I, I missed last week because I was in New York and I didn't have cable in my Airbnb. And I just looked at the spoilers, you know, on SB Nation or something. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't miss anything. Nothing really happened. Yeah. I, missed, I missed Seth Rollins and Jericho. But how good was that going to be? It's a TV match for free that, what, went maybe 10 minutes, yeah. 12 minutes. No, and it's, it'll be a cool match to go back and watch at some point. But you're right. I mean, I, I think I said this last week or the week before that there was, I think there was like a pay-per-view and then a Raw and then SmackDown. And then I was doing the podcast and I was like reading the the, the spoilers to like make sure I remembered everything. And it was like at that moment before we went on the air that are, or like not, it was like the, the night before the morning of whatever that I realized I just hadn't watched like two hours of Raw. Right. And I just, for, I mean, when I was watching it, I was saying, oh yeah, I got to go back and watch the first two hours. But then like when it, that I totally forgot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just so much, it's just so much wrestling. And there's, there, and when you don't, I don't, anyway. There was a moment when every episode of Monday Night Raw and to a lesser extent SmackDown when it first premiered on UPN had a an interior narrative sure there was vince would come out and he would say austin you know you're gonna have to wrestle three guys and if you don't beat all three guys you're not gonna get your title shot at no mercy or something so at the end of the episode after two hours of the story sort of slowly dragging along you get to a conclusion and that's why the best episode of raw in quite a while was the first episode after the draft Mm mm-hmm where it was, all right, the story is Finn Balor, NXT superstar, yes. debuting, can he get over the hump? Yeah. And then that was the story. But there's no there's no wider narrative to these episodes. It's always the pay-per-view is in three weeks. The pay-per-view is in two weeks. The pay-per-view is this Sunday. Yeah. And that's just... Yeah, and, a- and honestly, I think that this episode, I mean, I, I don't want to dog on like the sort of mid-card, but the, the, this could have been... I mean, if they just just used the main event feud to bookend it, you know, just yeah. do, if they had done Rollins Jericho for the first time this week and just ran that as the as the main event, just I mean, you could have Goldberg as like Goldberg could go on the air at you know ten fifty five still just have just have a massive overrun and just imagine the moment where like Goldberg and Rollins pass each other in the in the aisle, you know, or in the entrance ramp, like when when Rollins coming to the just something or Jericho and and Goldberg even better, yeah, right. I mean, you could just to have it. I mean, that's a, but that's going to what you're saying. If the show is about either make the show about Goldberg or just have that be a segment and make the show about Seth Rollins and and Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, right? Yeah, there's just. It, it needs to be structured differently. Anyway, that's just my opinion on how they could tell the story. I don't want to get too too much into ex-wrestler podcast territory here. Um, I want to talk about the women's division and their upcoming Hell in the Cell match. But before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about our wonderful sponsor, BetDSI.com. NFL season is in full swing, so check out BetDSI.com to place all of your bets on the football season. BetDSI has a very special beginning of the season deal. Free 25 bucks to try the service if you use our code BSPN25. Uh, BetDSI also offers 100% bonus for your first deposit. They've got fast, easy payment of winnings, the best customer service, and you can bet on 
just about anything. NFL matchups, player versus player bets, uh, NFL, NASCAR, F1, UFC, Trump versus Clinton. We're recording this on Wednesday. The third, uh, the f- third debate is tonight. I'm guessing the odds may be a little bit different tomorrow. But anyway, as you guys are listening to this, go place your bets. Uh, BetDSI even has in-game wagering on SEC football, the NFL, and other big events. Uh, you can play basically every sport you can imagine there. So go to BetDSI.com right now and use the code BSPN25 for a free 25 bucks to try the service. That's BetDSI.com, promo code BSPN25. Go there now. I just got to say I used uh, BetDSI to uh, bet on James Ellsworth last night, so... I'm a very wealthy man. Thank you very much, James. I love you. <laughs> the, the man with no chin does it again. The man with two hands, uh, the man with no chin, now the man with one leg because he he pulled off a, a sweet uh, chin music or sweet no chin music no, as people yeah. are calling Morrow it online. called it no chin music. Oh, he did? Yeah. I totally... I, I, Mar- <laughs> uh, some sometimes like my... Uh, like I'm like the like dog. There's certain frequencies only dogs can hear and humans can't. Like there's certain Morrow frequencies that I just can't hear at all. When he like really gets rolling, it feels like a big. It's sort of like the Joe Buck thing. It's like he sounds like I don't. He's not anyone's favorite announcer, but he makes it feel like a big event. I don't really know what he's saying though. You know, like he has the the, man, the, no way. the tenor of the his voice is perfect for me. I love I love his calling of of, of matches. I even like the pop culture references, but when he busted out no chin music, it was him, right? It wasn't it wasn't Otunga. Someone did it. Whoever did it, I pumped my fist. It was a great moment. He was Amaro was really on was really on on Tuesday. Before we get to SmackDown, though, I want to talk about I want to talk about. I feel bad about this. I'm. I think. Uh, okay, f- uh, let me say this. It was announced. Uh, Mick Foley announced that that the Sasha Banks versus Charlotte match for the women's uh, the Raw Women's Championship inside Hell in a Cell is going to main event the Hell in a Cell pay per view. That's awesome. I mean, many people, both of us included, have been making have been saying things like this for the longest time. You know, you're taking this division seriously, then like you know, show it. Um, and honestly. These two have the best claim to a Hell in a Cell level feud of any of the three Hell in a Cell matches that are happening. That said, I feel like, I mean, I don't even know who was saying it. uh, Donsky, I don't know who was on the show saying this a couple weeks ago. Uh, And I was sort of back and forth, but now I'm 100% in. Your feud is, they have a legit feud. They have a legit rivalry that is longstanding and violent. And, you know, I mean, there's so much emotion tied up into it. And yet they're making it about making history for women's wrestling. Like, the re- that's not why you have a Hell in a Cell match. This isn't like, this isn't, you know, American Ninja Warrior where you're running an <laughs> obstacle, obstacle course. This is, you're, you go in Hell in a Cell to have a wrestling match because you hate each other and you want to beat each other up. Am I crazy for thinking this? No, and this is something that a lot of people have been saying in the internet wrestling community, especially after Raw on Monday, where you have these sort of like really ineffectual promos with Lita not selling the the blood feud very well, just because maybe she's not keyed into that part of the of the of the program. Uh, Sasha Banks kind of not really 
but not a lot of passion coming from Sasha in this moment. Uh, and Charlotte, Charlotte did good work, I thought. But in general, you're 100% right. Why is this about some sort of gender uh, glass ceiling breaking uh, when it should be about these two women? Uh, by the way, Byron Saxton calls them ladies all the time, and it really bums me out. Um, <laughs> These women. He's, an, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good old fashioned guy. Yeah. These women have been fighting each other for months now, years if you go back to NXT and the, the horse women era. Uh, why not just talk about that? Yeah. This is, this is, their, this I, is the blow off. This is the third match, uh, singles match between these two. Why not just say that? Yeah. I mean, and I think that we shouldn't discount the history that it's making, but that should be, we should leave that for other people to say. You know, I mean, Sasha and Sasha and Charlotte should just be talking about winning the match and 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 ending the feud. Do you think that WWE is concerned about the idea of these women, you know, maiming each other? Because they always sell this pay per view and the gimmick match of Hell in a Cell as people are going to get badly damaged and showing Mick Foley falling off the cage and stuff. And that's not really how they sell women. It doesn't wrestling. feel like have they been have they really been peddling that that for any of the Hell in a Cell matches this year? There's been a like Jericho mentioned it in his opening promo on Monday of like it ended Mick Foley's career. Oh or sure, worried or something like that. Um, but the, I have to point out Eric Bischoff on his podcast said uh, that oh, this he, is good. I have not been listening. Let me read this whole quote. I don't like it at all. I don't like it. The standard for Hell in a Cell is pretty high. It physically is what it is. It's a hardcore match. It's an extreme match. It's all of the above and then some. I've talked before about expectations and managing expectations with the audience. Sometimes you can do such a great job building something up that you forget to remember that you also have to deliver. I am not taking anything away from either of those athletes that happen to be women. I am suggesting that the audience may not necessarily want to see that type of entertainment and that type of match out of that type of athlete. You know, I don't, I don't disagree with him in any of his general, in the generalities. Uh, when that type of athlete, I think we're getting into some really <laughs> sketchy territory. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Eric. Um, there could be just some fear of. I mean, well, we have to do this. We can't look like we're misogynists by not putting them in hell in a cell. Sure. But we don't want to sell the fact that there there might be blood or that they could hurt e- each other or something. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm uh, my fear, I mean, my concern is much more that like, you know, is for their safety. Like, you know, just in general, we've seen, I mean, I, we've talked before about how like every time like in every big Sasha Banks match, there's a moment where I think she's dead, you know, and <laughs> right. like and putting her in a higher putting putting her or anyone in a higher stakes situation, you know, raises the stakes. Mm-hmm. Raises, but um, I, I listen. I said this I think last week. I, I I agree to a large extent with Bischoff, just in that like there's no way that three Hell in a Cell matches in one night are going to live up to anyone's expectations, right? I mean, there's going it, it's inevitable that. That I mean, the, the 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 easiest thing to guess, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but you could imagine like the that Charlotte and Sasha have a really good match, that that Rollins and KO have a really good match, and then even if like Rusev and and um, 
and Reigns have like a B plus match, it's just gonna get shit on. Yeah. You know? And and if not, and even if it's like the best match they've ever had, but it's just sort of like over reliant on chair shots and not really there's no real they don't really use the cage that much. You know, just what it like it's gonna be putting these in comparison with one another is going to make all of them look a little bit worse, I feel like. And I and the expectations for Hell in a Cell are high. Um but but that's mostly the mythology, right? I mean, it's not that the matches haven't been good, but everything in wrestling is. I mean, listen, we don't talk about the expectations in Hell in a Cell being so high, so high, and then immediately reference, you know, Big Boss Man getting getting hung in the middle of the ring. Oh, you mean the kennel from Hell match? Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's just yeah. I mean, I think that I think that expectations it could definitely be a problem. I think that booking this match as a glass ceiling breaking moment raises the expectations unnecessarily as well. I mean, just because, like, it's possible for it not to be a great match. And then what? You know? Like, fans aren't going to be soothed by the fact that they saw that they were... I mean, I guess maybe so. Maybe this is like, like, I'm not so excited to... If someone's saying I'm not that excited to vote for Hillary Clinton, you know, if I had everyone in the world to vote for, but, like, I'm kind of happy that I'm going to cast a vote for the first female president or something sure. like that. I guess there's there could be some of that. But still, I just think, yeah, expectations are going to be high. And, and but, you know, the thing where Bischoff, I think, is totally wrong is that these, that Sasha and these two, these these kind of athletes, what were the, what's the word they used? Uh, <laughs> yeah, these, these types of athletes these type, or whatever. These, these specific two types of athletes have, like, have all of the, I have all the confidence in the world in them that they're going to go out and just bring the house down. Now, I'm going to be nervous watching it because of past history, but, like, man, I mean, these two have earned this sort of match, not just in the feud, but with their, you know, their their ring work over the past couple of years. They can tell stories, and they can pull off near falls that have you on the edge of your seat. And that's all you need from a wrestling match. Um, the question is, are they going to take a, a risk that maybe they're not prepared for? And that's, you know, if they come out... Right. Not hurting each other, and Sasha Banks actually, you know, is capable of working a match without almost breaking her neck. I'll be thrilled. I don't care if it's not a match of the year candidate because they've done, they've worked so many match of the year candidates before that it it's all gravy. At this yeah, point. I mean, I think that I mean, like the like Sasha Bailey two was not as good as Sasha Bailey one. Right, but no one had no one was like down on it. Yeah, everyone kind of agreed. Yeah, that was a slightly less, slightly less good match, but it was still a great match. And like, I think that, um, you know, I just I, I think that that expectations matter more. I mean, matter just as much with the fans. It matters with you know the wrestlers and how they what, what this the sort of match they decide to put on just for the sake of fulfilling those expectations. You know, and I don't think it's necessary to. You know, Jeff Hardy off of a ladder through ten tables every match just to like up the ante. Um, My expectations but- for the show are low, so if it's even half as good as No Mercy was, I'll be happy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, my expectations are. I mean, I think that uh, maybe we can take some comfort in the same argument I kind of had with about Goldberg and Lesnar earlier. Just that, like, there's. My guess is that these matches are going to be a little bit more carefully plotted out than maybe your standard main event style match. Yeah. There's got to be someone who's going to take a huge bump. Probably Kevin Owens, though I've been wrong about pay-per-views before. He seems like the guy who is the most capable of taking a dive. I think I said this last week or the week before. With three of these matches, like I mean, it's one... like they And every match has to have a different big spot, right? 
Now, one of the biggest, like I said, Reigns and Rusev, the big spot could be the 100th chair shot or something, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever. But like, so, I, I mean, off the top of the cage, I don't think, or something with, you know, the roof of the cage is not out of the question when you have to make three Hell in a Cell matches feel different. Yep. Um, now, I, you know, Sasha and Charlotte battling on the top of the cage could be an incredible moment. I'm just going to stop fantasy fantasizing slash fantasy booking about this because it could only it's only going to lower my expectations. I'm excited about this match. I'm so excited they're going to they're they're putting it on last. Like that's that's fully came out and said they might not be doing it. Oh really? Yeah, I saw that on. I think it was cage side seats. Uh, oh well, then I, I if, if he's if he's walking it back now, I thought that he said that they were, but the but. You know, it's a co-main event. It deserves that. It deserves that. You know, that stipulation. And and I think that um, regardless of when they put it on, uh, I feel like, yeah. I mean, there's also this thing where I, mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm just gonna rant now. But like, whoever goes on last is breaking the cage, right? Like, no, or we right. don't. We can't. We're, we don't. We don't need to. I mean, I think it's safe to assume that whoever goes on first or second in the cell is not going to be demolishing the cage. Is one of the. You know, you can start kind of like ticking off boxes, which is. Fine, but unfortunate. Um, listen, uh, I think that's enough talk about that. We, we're still a week away from yeah, the pay per view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save it for the preview. Well, let's let's end this on a positive note. Mm-hmm. At least for me, I don't think I don't know if you're going to be as positive, but um, SmackDown, man, that match, that championship match last night was one of the most beautiful pieces of wrestling storytelling I've ever seen. Yes, sure. I mean, AJ Styles did uh, you know his uh, his best to turn it into something that was useful to the program. I mean, he's basically carrying SmackDown on his back sure. in a way that you know you can't really think of anybody doing something like that um, as uh, in the same way since Kurt Angle was on SmackDown and working four or five star matches sure. with everybody. Um, but like, to what end are we dragging out James Ellsworth? It feels like Vince McMahon or Triple <laughs> H's inside joke of like, let's drag this goofball out. Here's the thing: they're selling shirts. They're they're I not know. great shirts, but still, no. no. Um, it looks like a Cafe Press T-shirt. It does. It should does. have a kitty on it or something. I was, I was, uh, I was perusing WWE shop. Shop Zone, shop the WWE. Stop doing that. Shop. You, last time I was on here, you said you'd stop buying wrestling T-shirts. I did not buy anything. Good, but I, uh, but I was looking around, and what struck me was um, they have a lot of like long sleeve T-shirts, and the the faux Christmas sweaters are in stock now, and like Finn Balor is is heavily represented, and um, I mean, great. That's great if you're really in the if you're in the market for a, a Finn Balor faux Christmas sweater because now you can get that. Um, but it but it but it made me think about how long the like the production time on these things must be because clearly they put all these things in a production when the when Finn Balor was healthy and was and was booked to be you know the top babyface on Raw for a long time, right? So. Uh, it would not surprise me if the production time on if if, it, if the production time for a James Ellsworth T-shirt was prohibitive and they had to go to Cafe Press or to like just you know get some interns with some silkscreen materials in the back or whatever iron-ons. Um, anyway, like I for for a long time 
people have been like you know half-heartedly saying that wrestling needs to bring back jobbers and obviously in the brand split that's one of the things they've done they've done a pretty good job of it but james ellsworth is really what you mean when you say bring back jobbers you know if barry horowitz was wrestling if if we were in that (laughs) era right but but it was today if that was the same roster like you would demand some more depth i mean i guess barry horowitz did get an angle after a while or whatever but like you know sd jones would like get that one big win on a pay-per-view you know or or johnny rods or whoever like we like we would be more invested in them because you know we'd see them week in and week out um and i really like that that you know, WWE just listened to the fans when they just went nuts for Ellsworth, and now they're like putting him in this position. And what it does is, and this is part of what the the main tool of a jobber is, is to have another week without a silly like match that's exactly what you're going to see on the pay per view. You know, it get this that cha- that title match felt more meaningful than an actual like a legit heavily promoted title match between Ambrose and AJ Styles would have felt. Right, because like there's, it felt like the 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 bar is so low for Ellsworth that there's actual stakes. Right, you know, and he, there. I mean, he he won. I mean, he he literally won. But even if he hadn't, like he won just by being in that match. I thought it was just a, a maestro performance, uh, largely thanks to AJ Styles. I agree, but man, I mean, it was it was just it was just well booked, well put together. It was the perfect use of Dean Ambrose. I think it was like all of them were just like used exactly right. The performance of the match itself is not my problem. My problem with this whole thing is that... Schilling is waving his arms right now. I'm this gesticulating is- like a madman because I, I don't care. I don't care about James Ellsworth. It's a distraction from what should be the program that is the most important on SmackDown. Sure. Um, Dean Ambrose comes out of this just looking like a goof again. Um, he doesn't really have any... Uh, motivation besides you know needling AJ Styles I don't know why they hate each other besides the title uh, there's no layering or 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 underneath to this this angle it's just like Ellsworth has been shoved in between these two guys to distract from the fact what? that there's no real heat behind it yeah I I mean I guess I, I see some truth in that I just like the fact though that like Ellsworth basically was just he was shoved in there he took John Cena's spot in this feud <laughs> and I'm more into it now like that's I just think that that's that's you know that just they've, they've really accomplished something um, also shout out to the 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 spirit squatters also just replacement level jobbers who are making the show more fun I think just the diminished roster on on Smackdown the smaller roster um, opens up the I mean provides the opportunities for this sort of stuff to people happen people can come in come out you know, the Spirit Squad will probably be long gone by the time we get to the Royal Rumble. But they served a purpose um, in this Miz uh, Ziggler thing. But at least they're something of a threat. Now that we've had this title match with Ellsworth, what do you do with him? I think he, he gets another match, doesn't he? <laughs> he deserves a rematch, yeah. Uh, I'm afraid that at some point it's going to be Hornswoggle-esque, where it's like, well, this sort of comedy character needs to be a part of the show, so we're going to have him be Stephanie McMahon's long-lost brother or something. Um, And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see James Ellsworth (laughs) be a long-term part of the product. James Ellsworth McMahon? Yeah. They did that with Hornswoggle. Wasn't Hornswoggle Vince's son? Yes. 
this is not something that appeals to me as a very well. Yeah, like, I, I don't. I don't. Fan. Di- I don't disagree with that. I think, but we're we're a ways off from that happening. Um, but I can't help but see, you know, six months uh, in the future, and we're wasting all this time on him. There has to be something else dumb like that. Um. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry I don't agree with you on this. I just, I, no, no, I don't, so I don't, well. I'm not even, I, I, agree, I think, I mean, I don't disagree with you on those terms. I don't, if James Ellsworth is headlining Survivor Series, we can revisit this conversation. <laughs> um, He's got to be in one of those I just Survivor Series matches. In, you know, in the environment that we're in now where there's so much wrestling, WWE content, mm-hmm. right? Where we have pay-per-views every other week, uh, must-see episodes of Raw and SmackDown seemingly every week. They're, you know, they're bo- literally every week there's, there is a title match of some significance. Um, every week there's one on one, of the sh- one show or the other. We have this Goldberg stuff. We have, uh, we have uh, Total Bellas, which is now like taking over the, a feud on SmackDown as well. Tell me you're not watching that. I watched a little bit of, of it the other day. Right. People, people keep getting on me about watching because uh, it's it, John Cena's heel turn has finally happened and it's on Total Bellas. <laughs> okay. it's, 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 it's compelling television. Um, a DVR it. I mean, this, there's nothing worse than reality TV with commercials. It's just, or once you, once you get off the commercial, the, the commercials, you realize it's it's very manageable and fun to watch. And anyway, all I'm saying is there's so much product. Uh, we've talked about this. There's too much. That there's too much to watch. Really, there's too much to really invest in. But like during that main event on Tuesday night, I was a hundred percent in on the match, and it just told a story from start to finish in a very kind of concise lovely old-fashioned fully entertaining way and it was it felt i guess i'm just i'm sure i'm overblowing this but it felt just like a calm in the storm you know it was just my little oasis of like well done wrestling a sweet sip of pina colada exactly Uh, i think you're right about that that they did what raw refused to do on monday which is the episode is about AJ Styles versus James Ellsworth and we're going to tease it out the whole show and it's going to be the main event and there's going to be backstage promos and Daniel Bryan's interacting with Dean Ambrose and figuring out what his job is going to be in the match is this sort of runner story if he's not going to be the referee so what's he going to be that kind of thing really is effective in keeping you interested in a show but it's still James Ellsworth in the main event of SmackDown, and I can't wrap my brain around something that is that inconsequential what, to the story. Would you be more? Would you be more interested if it was Heath Slater in that role? Absolutely, because at the very least, Heath Slater is a believable WWE World Champion. I can see him having a great match with with AJ Styles at some point down the line. Sure. And the crowd is going to be doubly into it because he's a legitimate competitor. James Ellsworth is a joke. (laughs) I mean, God bless him. Your Ellsworth hate is really out of control. I'm um, turning heel on James Ellsworth. Listen, I'm sorry. Man, you, I mean, that could be the that could be the the final the move for John Cena if he's going to turn heel in the ring, just <laughs> come just, and like powerbomb James Ellsworth through a table. And, I'd mark out for that. Oh yeah, I think the fans would actually fully accept that heel turn. They would just be like, "Yes, that's a villain. That's a terrible You're thing a you just bad, did." Bad person. Um, anyway, well, we had different opinions on that, but I think we can agree that there's 
that there's you know stuff to be excited about this week, man. We got Goldberg back. It's gonna be something else. Uh, I'm excited for it. I have trepidation. Uh, I'm running the gamut of emotions with Goldberg Lesnar, and that is a sign of a well done wrestling program. Um, I totally agree. I feel the same about the main event on Tuesday, but you know. We can we can we can wrestle about this another day. Thank you so much for coming by, Dave. Of course. Do you want to do you want to you want to promo plug anything? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dave underscore Schilling, and uh, I have a basketball podcast now called Round Ball Rock that you can find. You have a basketball Twitter. podcast? I do. Is it just you? No, it's me and uh, two really funny comedians, Sean Keen and Joey Devine, and uh, we talk about basketball and we have comics on. And we talk about basketball. It's it's about basketball, guys. That's really great. Yeah. Well, who's your team? Uh, Lakers. I'm a Lakers. Oh, fan. that's right. I knew that. Yeah. Woof. Well. Oh, that's not nice. Come on. It's gonna be a fun, it's gonna be a fun year. It's yeah. gonna be a fun year. Um, the Lakers are the James Ellsworth of the NBA. Uh, okay, I will take that. <laughs> I and I and and I, I hope that reflects your your secret hatred for your own uh, home team as well. Anyway, thanks for listening, humanoids. We'll uh, we'll be back next week.